2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. We're teaching on the subject of righteousness, the righteousness of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, For he hath made him, speaking of God, God has made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So righteousness, as we have discovered, is a gift, and righteousness is received by faith. And so we looked at a scripture in uh, Romans chapter 10, and Romans chapter 10, and just uh, picking out a few scriptures for a review, verse 10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So it's with your heart that you believe unto righteousness. Now again, verse 21 of 2 Corinthians 5 says, Jesus was made to be sin for us. Now he was made to be sin for us on the cross. He was our substitute. He took our place. We were sinners and all had sinned and come short of the glory of God. So no one was exempt from sin. Adam's fall affected all of humanity. And so God sent a man named Jesus who was a man, but yet he was God. And he was God manifest in the flesh. And so he became man by taking on a human body and becoming a man. So now he can identify with you. He's tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. So he is sinless. He who knew no sin was made to be sin. That we might be made then the righteousness of God. So on the cross he was made sin and took the sin of all of humanity so that we could be made the righteousness of God. One translation says God made him share our sin so that we could share his righteousness. So you are literally made or you become spiritually in your spirit, you become the righteousness of God in him. How did you become the righteousness of God in him? As we just read, you believe unto righteousness. With the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now we gave you a a uh, definition or commentary of W.E. Vine concerning the word righteousness. Righteousness. W.E. Vine said, it's an expository dictionary of New Testament words. It says, the man who trusts in Christ becomes the righteousness of God in him. He becomes in Christ all that God requires a man to be and all that he can never be in himself. The man or woman or person who trusts in Christ becomes the righteousness of God in him. That phrase in him is so important for you to pay attention to anytime you see it in the New Testament. But it, because it shows that you are in union with or connected to Jesus. Your spirit is joined to Jesus Christ. So in him you are the righteousness of God. You become everything God requires a man or woman to be and everything they could never be in themselves. So we could not do it ourselves. We must rely upon what Jesus did. 
So I gave you something the Holy Spirit said it to me this way. True humility is when you acknowledge that God acknowledge that it is absolutely nothing that you have done that makes you righteous. You become God's righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ and the shedding of his blood. Absolutely nothing that you have done to become righteous. Simply believing. Now, in Ephesians chapter 2, we shared with you, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. Your salvation is a gift of God that you receive by the grace of God and faith, right? So you're saved by grace through faith that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. So eternal life is a gift. It's referred to in Scripture as a gift. So receiving eternal life is a gift, but righteousness also is referred to as a gift. And you receive it as a gift from the Father. And the way you receive it is by faith. You don't work for it. You don't merit it. You receive it by simple faith in Jesus Christ and in his shed blood. Then in Ephesians as well, chapter 2, in verse 13, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, that phrase, in Christ, in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. You were far off, meaning you were without hope, without God in the world. You were without a covenant with God. But now by the blood of Christ, in Him, in Jesus, you who were far off, are made nigh or near by the blood of Christ. So we have this nearness. God is so near, he lives inside of you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul said, I was crucified with Christ in Galatians 2.20. I was crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I. But Christ lives in me. And the life, I now live in this body, in this flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So God is so close to you, he lives inside of you. I'm going to say it again. God is so close to you, he lives inside of you. Your spirit is one with him. You're joined to him as Jesus uh, gave the example he was the vine in John 15, and you are the branches. And the branches are connected to the vine, and the branches get their life from the vine. And so our life is one with Christ. Amen? All right, so then in uh, Hebrews as well, in chapter 9, it says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. How much more? How much more? Meaning, how much more than the blood of goats and calves? No, Jesus didn't go in with the blood of bulls and goats or calves. He went in with his own blood once into the Holy of Holies, having obtained eternal, permanent redemption for us. So this redemption has been provided. It has been made available, and anyone can have redemption from sin. All they need to do is believe. Believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died for their sin. Jesus 
died and he was raised again and believed that he shed his blood on their behalf and he didn't just die as a martyr. He died as a substitute and he took our place so that we could have an approach to God again. Hallelujah. God was in Christ reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself. God was doing that. 2 Corinthians reveals to us as well. So the Spirit of God gives us understanding of the fact that we have a right relationship with God. Righteousness is a right state of which God is a standard. It is the righteousness of God himself. It is a righteous condition. Spiritually, your spirit is right. Your spirit is righteous. You have a right relationship with God. Hallelujah. God is good. His mercy endures. Hallelujah forever. So God has given us this righteousness as a free gift. Romans 5.17 tells us specifically, uses the word gift. Romans 5.17, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. For if by one man's death, one man's sin, death reigned by one. Adam's sin against God, his original sin, Caused death to reign over the human race. Satan is referred to as the God of this world. In other words, Satan became uh, the God of this world because of Adam's sin. And now Satan is dominating human beings all over the world. But thank God, Jesus, Hebrews 2 and verse 14 says, Jesus took on a body of flesh and blood. Likewise, Jesus took on a body. Like our body, a flesh and blood body, took on a body of flesh and blood, and he went through death. He didn't just go into death. He went through death. He died, but yet he didn't stay dead. He came out again. He went through death, and by going through death, he destroyed him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and delivered those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So now God has given us this redemptive privilege of coming to Jesus and having a right relationship with God, being delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So our sins have been forgiven through the blood of Jesus and we have been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. So we are no longer under Satan's jurisdiction or under Satan's dominion or under his authority. You find that in Colossians chapter uh, 1 and verses 13. 13 and 14. So we've been delivered from the authority of darkness. We've been delivered from the power of darkness and we've been translated into this new kingdom. And in this kingdom, we rule and reign as kings. Hallelujah. So those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall what? Reign in life. Through the one, Jesus Christ. And I'm going to read you the last part of that verse in the way translation. All this will be far more compensated when those who receive the measureless, 
meaning endless. You cannot measure it. It's God. He measures out the heavens with the span of his hand. You cannot measure God. Hallelujah. So he says this measureless wealth of God's grace, this endless supply of God's grace, the measureless wealth of God's grace, those who receive it, he said, and the gift of righteousness shall be kings in the new life. So this new life that you've received makes you a king. You're born into rule. You're born into dominion. You're born into authority. You're born into the kingdom of God. And you rule as a king with this new life of God that has been placed on the inside of you. And listen to the last part of the verse. Through the merit of the one, Jesus the Messiah. It is through the merit of Jesus. It is not your merit. It is not your works. It is not your efforts. It's not your goodness. It's not what you did for someone or what you did to help someone. All of that is simply a gratitude expressed to the Father for what he has done for us. We're simply saying, thank you, Lord, by serving someone else. We're simply saying, Father, thank you for saving me. I want to give this bread to somebody else. I want to give this water of life to somebody else. I'm simply, when I'm giving Jesus or I'm sharing Jesus with somebody, I'm just simply, Father, I thank you so much that you gave me life, that I want to give it away. You've given me the ministry of reconciliation. You've reconciled me back to yourself and put me in a place of favor and friendship with yourself. And now I want to share this good news with somebody else. I want to tell somebody how good God is. God is a good, good, good Father. Hallelujah. He is a good, good, good God. And He does good, good, good things for people. And he loves people so much that he gave his only son. And how much more would he give you everything freely with him? There is no limit. It is a measureless grace of God. God has extended his grace to the human race. And anybody can come. Everybody won't, but somebody will. And I hope you did. Hallelujah. And if you didn't, you can. You can come to God and receive this measureless wealth of God's grace and reign as a king in this new life based on the merit of the one. Your righteousness is based on the merit of the one. It's based on what Jesus did in your simple faith in what he did. Based on the blood of Jesus and your simple faith in the blood of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Amen. God is good. So this abundance of grace is available for you to be saved initially. But this abundance of grace is available for you to enjoy endlessly. Throughout your life and throughout eternity, we're going to be enjoying the abundance of God's grace. This measureless, endless grace of God. And this gift of righteousness. Hallelujah. Now, so, if we're going to reign as kings, 
As I said earlier, we've been delivered from the power of darkness. We're translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. So we're in the kingdom. And so in this kingdom, we are to rule and reign as kings. And your authority is activated by your voice. So we could say, you activate your right standing with God through your voice. You activate your authority through your voice. Or we could say, your voice is your address. Or we could say, your righteousness and your authority. Remember, Jesus is going to rule with a scepter of righteousness. So you're exercising your dominion, your authority through righteousness. And it's activated by faith. Now we have uh, so many things that are voice activated in our day, don't we? You know, if you want to know something, you just uh, ask Siri. And nobody knows who Siri is. Or you want Alexa to do something, you just tell Alexa. Voice activation is it's popular. It was a God thing before it was anybody else's thing. He said, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. We ought to have more faith in God that he will do what he said. That When, when we speak, something happens. We should have more faith in God than we do in Alexa or in Siri, right? God moves when we speak. And he moves on our behalf. So our dominion is released. Our authority is released through our voice. So voice activation is something we must do. You had to do that in order to get saved. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. That Jesus is Lord. And when you did, you were saved. You believed unto righteousness and you confessed with your mouth. And so voice activation is a way that you release the power and the authority and the dominion of God in your life. Now let's go to another verse in Isaiah. Isaiah 43. And we're going to go to verse... 25, Isaiah 43 and verse 25. It says, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. God says, I, even I, he emphasizes, saying it twice. And for some of us, he might need to say it three or four or a hundred times or a thousand times. Whatever time it takes for us to get it. Or whatever time it takes for us to remember it when we forgot it. He said, I, even I, am he that blots out thy transgression for my own sake and will not remember thy sins. You have to see that Jesus 
was literally made to be our sin. Jesus was literally tasting our death. If God doesn't finish this process, Jesus and all of us are in trouble. But God finished the process. God finished what he started. He sent him down as a man. He became man through the virgin birth, born into this world. He was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. He suffered beyond our comprehension naturally. He died for us. He was made sin for us, but God declared him not guilty. And God identified you with him in that declaration because it was your sin that he was carrying. And God declared him righteous or not guilty. And he was doing that for the whole world. God was in Christ reconciling the world to favor and friendship with himself. So he blotted out our transgressions. He blotted out our sins. And he will not remember them. So God is never reminding you of your sin. The devil will remind you of your past and your failures. But God doesn't remind you of your sin in any condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Think about it. The power of the Word of God, the power of righteousness was all based on what Jesus did and not what we have done. He will not remember our sins. It's not like God has spiritual amnesia. He doesn't hold your sin against you. He doesn't remind you. But he tells you to do something. He said, put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. He says to you, I'm not going to remember your sins, but I need you to remind me. Let us plead together. Remind him of what? Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. What would your declaration be for you to be justified? It cannot be based on your works, your efforts, and all of your good deeds, and the good deed you did last week or today or last year or something you plan to do. No. He said, put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Jesus is referred to in Hebrews as a high priest of our confession. He is a high priest of our confession. He's referred to as the apostle and high priest of our confession. And he says that we are to hold fast to the confession 
of our faith. We're to hold fast to the confession of our faith that Jesus is Lord. We're to hold fast to the confession of our faith that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. We have to hold fast to that confession and put him in remembrance. Let us plead together. What would your plead be? If, if you're in a court and God is a judge, what could your plead be? There's only plea, one plead. Your, your, your case is going to have to end on a single point. The blood of Jesus. It can't be what you did. Because the scripture says if you keep the whole law and miss it in one point. You're guilty of the whole thing. So if it were not for the grace of God, there's no way you and I could have an approach to God. We could have a right relationship with God. But there was one way that we can, and that's through the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by faith in his blood, according to Romans 3.25, we are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we can end our case on a single point. It is not what I did or what I didn't do. It's what he did and what he finished. And it is a finished work of redemption. He blotted out our transgressions. He will not remember our sins. But he says, now put me in remembrance of the blood of Jesus. You can know that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And he is making intercession for you according to Romans 8. He is making intercession for us. And he's reminding the Father of what he did when you remind Jesus. I'm just telling you. If he is a high priest of your confession, then your confession, a confession based on Scripture, based on the meaning of the word, the word confession means to say the same thing. In other words, if you sin, say, I've sinned. And confess it and say, Father, I'm sorry for my sin. And God's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. But most of the time, the word confession in the New Testament is used in the positive sense. Hold fast to the confession of your faith. Hallelujah. So then you need to say, you need to decree, you need to declare that you are the righteousness of God based on the blood of Jesus. And while you're making that confession and putting on your breastplate of righteousness on a daily basis, according to part of the armor in Ephesians 6, you put on the whole armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness being one of those uh, parts of the armor. When you're saying, I am the righteousness, Righteousness of God in Christ by the blood of Jesus and you worship in that way what happens is is that you are arming yourself hallelujah and Jesus is pleading with you and the Father is with you we're pleading together with Jesus and with the Father we're pulling together a threefold cord is not easily broken I'm telling you there's a strand that goes into heaven I'm telling you you're connected 
connected to Jesus. You're connected to the Father. You're connected in Christ. Hallelujah. And so there is a freedom that comes and, a, and an awareness that comes to your life that God is not holding your sins against you. He's not condemning you for your sin. No, you are not ashamed. You've been free from guilt and shame. One of the quotes that I've given to you, uh, E.W. Kenyon said, uh, righteousness gives you the ability to stand in the presence of God without a sense of sin, guilt, condemnation, or inferiority. If you can stand in the presence of God, remember when Stephen was being stoned and they were laying uh, at uh, Saul's feet the coats of the men that were stoning Stephen for preaching the gospel. I mean, he really got to them. And they were stoning him. But he saw, Stephen saw Jesus standing. Hallelujah. You've got a big brother, hallelujah, named Jesus. He's the firstborn from the dead. He's the firstborn among many brethren. And he's standing up for you. And he speaks up for you. And the blood of Jesus Christ is still speaking from heaven. If you will speak about the blood, if you will sing about the blood, if you'll fellowship about the blood, if you'll hear preaching about the blood, if you'll go home in your car praising God for the blood, if you get to the house in the kitchen and thank God for the blood of Jesus. If you go to the bedroom, thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus. If you get up in the morning, thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus. Thank you that I'm right with you because of the blood. If you lay your head down at night, God, I want to thank you for the blood of Jesus that makes me clean, that makes me righteous, that makes me able to stand in your presence, lay in your presence, be in your presence, and live forever in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God, I want to thank you that you blotted out my sins and you're not remembering them against me. Hallelujah. What you're doing when you're, when you're speaking about the blood, when you're singing about the blood, when you're praising God for the blood, what you're doing is you are using the voice activation. Hallelujah. You're using the voice activation of the righteousness of God, the blood of Jesus, that I am who God says I am. And while you're doing that, heavens open up and the glory of God comes in your room, in your bedroom, in your bathroom, in your kitchen, in your your living room, in your car, in your church, and it's just multiplied. When we get together, the glory of God comes on the church, and the power of God comes. Why? Because it is God confirming His Word. It is God releasing His power based on your voice activation. Something happens when you speak. Something is released when you speak. Faith is released. Righteousness is is released. The power of God is released. Hallelujah to Jesus. There's something bigger on the inside than what's on the outside. His name is Jesus. Holy Spirit living big on the inside of you. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in this world. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I plead the blood. I rest my case on a single point. It's the blood of Jesus. 
I rest my case on a single point. It's the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood. And the gavel hits the desk of heaven, and God says, not guilty. Hallelujah. Not guilty. You're free. Hallelujah. You're free. You're free. You're delivered. You're whole. You're sound. You're at rest. You're at peace. You have joy. Because of the abundance of grace. Come on, somebody praise God. Go ahead and use your voice. Thank God for the blood. Hallelujah. Because when you're speaking about the blood, the blood is covering your soul, covering your mind, covering your thoughts. You speak about the blood, it covers your body. It keeps you from harm. It keeps you from danger. Praise God. Keeps you healthy. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me give you one more verse of Scripture. Micah chapter 7. Micah chapter 7 and verse 18. We'll give you verse, verse 18 and 19. Micah 7, 18 says, Who is God like, who is a God like unto thee? That pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. God's mercy. He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. He delights in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. And thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. We'll read the last part again. Remember, he delights in mercy in verse 18. He will turn again. He will have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities. That's what Jesus did. He subdued our iniquities. He was raised up as absolute master of hell, absolute master of sin, absolute master of demonic forces, absolute master over all of hell and the power of sin. He will turn again. He will have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities. And thou hast cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. If they're in the depths of the sea, you don't see. Unless you go deep sea fishing. I would admonish you not to. You could get drowned in it. Amplified Bible says, He shall again have compassion on us. He will subdue and tread underfoot our wickedness. He will subdue and tread underfoot our wickedness, destroying sin's power. Knowing this, Romans 6 says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should no longer serve sin. We're no longer 
in servitude or slavery to sin. He will subdue and tread underfoot our wickedness, destroying sin's power. Yes, you will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. The deepest place. All your sins have been cast into the depths of the sea. God's not looking for them. God's got amazing plans for your future. I say God's not looking for your sins or your past. The blood of Jesus has washed them away. My admonition to you today is to forget those things which are behind. The Lion King movie, they said, one of those lines says, put your behind in the past. I would admonish you to put what is behind you in the past and know that the blood of Jesus has been applied. The cleansing power of the blood of Jesus, hallelujah, has washed you clean, made you righteous, made you clean before God. And gives you access by his precious blood into his presence any moment of any day. So your future is bright. Because in his presence is fullness of joy. There's joy unspeakable and there's full of glory in the presence of God. Let your declaration, your decree be made. And your righteousness is also motion activated. When you come up to a door in our day, the door opens. hundred years ago, it didn't open. M- motion activation is very common in our world today. You have to act like you believe what you say. You have to get up and move toward your victory. Toward what you believe that God has for you. And see that God is faithful.